Welcome to Improv Interviews. I'm Margo Escott, a psychotherapist and improviser, and I have a really cool guest today because I've taken classes with her and she's totally awesome. Her name is Blue Cavell Olette, and she's a teacher of improv, a producer, a director, and she also is a teacher of the Foundations of Improv at Morgan State University. Hello, Blue. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm terrific now that you're here. That's that's a fact. So um, I kind of like to start with the maybe tired and true improv story, your improv story. Like what, what, ha what were you like as a kid? Because I'm a therapist. We want to explore your childhood first. And then, you know, what kind of home did you grow up in? Was it musical? Was it humorous? And when did the bug hit you? Could have been the, I'm not sure it was the acting bug first or improv. So tell um, me your improv story. Um, starting with childhood? Yeah, what were your family like? Was it, was there a lot of play in your family? It was not. <laughs> no, it was, it was. I was adopted by an older couple, much older. So my parents were probably like my friend's great-grandparents' age. So they were born in 1914, 1916. And I was the only wow. child. <laughs> wow. I had an older sister and I have younger siblings, but growing up, I was the only baby in the house, kind of like how both my girls are growing up. And so um, I can't even imagine the stress I was on them. Oh my God. But they were lovely, beautiful, beautiful people. Um, but yeah, there wasn't a ton. There was a lot of imagination. There was a lot of time spent making dollhouses like out of cardboard boxes. There was a lot of gardening. I did not love it. Um, <laughs> where, where was this, by the way? Oh, we're in Richmond, Virginia. So I was born in Alabama um, on an army base. And then uh, when I was adopted, I was adopted by family on my biological father's side in uh, Richmond, Virginia. So that's where I grew up. And uh, even though they were like your great grandparents. No, I had no clue. I didn't know I was adopted. So I just thought everybody's parents was like this. <laughs> I didn't have a clue. And I found out when I was much, like I was probably about my daughter's age now, probably around 11 years old, someone told me that probably shouldn't have told me. And um, that's how I found, and it kind of makes your head, especially I was telling my daughter the other day, at that age, it makes your head explode because everything you've ever known is not true. So then you're spending the rest of your time like, what else isn't true? Oh my God, who else has been lying to me? So it becomes that. Um, but up until 11, I just knew this was normal. So, wow. so um, when you got into school, did, were you interested in acting or singing or anything like that? Um, let's see. Was I? In, no. So what I was interested in, I'll tell you what I was interested in. So I used to get teased a lot when I was a kid um, because I had older parents and I didn't realize they were older. I didn't really know why I was getting teased, but I would get teased. And um, so I became funny. <laughs> I was quick. I was, you know, I was just very fast. And um, when I got older, I knew I wanted to do something creative. So I, I paint, I draw, I, I'm very good at drawing. Um, 
I'm saying I'm very good, but it was something I really enjoyed. That's what I mean by that. Now there's a painting behind you folks can't see, but did you paint that? I did paint that. And that's just, I'm not finished with that. I just never finished it. And I hung, that's what I'll do is like, I'll do partial pieces and then I'll hang them up and not it's, get back to them. It's beautiful. It's the colors of Ukraine, the it, yellow and the blue. That was not on purpose. I, I painted just about four years, about right when we, no, right when pandemic started. I painted this and um, yeah, that's coincidental. Yeah, it's beautiful. And so when you got into high school, you weren't interested in drama or anything like that? Well, interesting story. So I did get interested, but I wanted to be a director. So I had seen uh, She's Gotta Have It. And um, well, I didn't see it. I had heard about it. Daughters of the Dust. I wasn't really allowed to see it, but I had read up about it because there was a big explosion. Um, and I had seen uh, Daughters of the Dust, which I absolutely loved. And I was just like, well, I want to be a director. And um, I thought my way in was to be an actress. And so in Richmond, Virginia, there wasn't a ton of opportunity for that, right? And so they had an audition for a movie. And my father went with me, who's like now in his like mid seventies and he takes me and, um, he auditioned because I was like, oh, you know, we should all audition. We're out here. <laughs> sure enough, he got the job. I did not get the job. And, and he was in the Vernon John story with um, uh, James Earl Jones out of Richmond. Amazing. Like he had a, a little cuts. He didn't have a speaking role, but he they had. I was like, I was salty a little bit. I was, I was never salty. Actually, I was never because I never really wanted to be in front of camera, but he got it. He nailed it. So did you get to meet and talk to James Earl Jones yourself? No, I didn't get to go anywhere near that set. No, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely not. I didn't get that, but no, but apparently, but they used him because he was old. So he was seen quite a bit. So I have it on VHS. I have to find it on like Hulu or somewhere and show the girls their grandfather because they never met him. He had passed before my babies were born. How many babies do you have? Two. Nice. Both girls. Both girls. Yep. Yeah. Fun. 11 year old and 23 year old. Wow. That was a gap. Yeah. Wow. Right. That's what I said. Wow. <laughs> What's happening? I'm taking my time with this birth and stuff. You know, I, don't... I like surprises. <laughs> so, so were you in college by then? Did you go to a college after you got out of high school or what did you I did. I I actually left home. I left home when I was 15 years old. Uh, back in the day, they called it running away. So I ran away and I came. I didn't do a very good. I just ran away to my sister who lived in Baltimore, my older sister. Um, and I went to college here. So I ended up going to school my last year and a half here. Um, and I went to Morgan State University. That's where I went for college. And what was your major? It was theater. I got a full scholarship. So I thought that was my way in, right? Like I thought my way in was through, uh, because the guidance counselors didn't really know how to tell you how to, from Baltimore, they didn't really know how to tell you how to get to Hollywood, right? Like they were like, mm, right. take theater. And so I was like, okay, I'll take theater. Then I'll get myself to the new school, which is amazing. One of my nieces is in the new school, which I love somehow. We got there somehow. 
in New in York, New York. Mm -hmm. yeah, I went there for a while. That's a great thing. Yeah, that was the goal. That's all I wanted. I was like, I'm gonna get to renew school. I'm gonna get to the. <laughs> and, and I ended up uh, getting married and knocked up. So that's what I did and said. <laughs> <laughs> I was new. It was a school. <laughs> I mean, how you look at it. <laughs> so, mm. has at this point, had you ever done any improv? I had. So my first introduction to improv um was dramatic uh, improv so when we started the head of the department um eased us into acting by teaching us dramatic improv wow i love which, it which honestly is how i learned that i preferred i really um i'm not afraid on stage i don't have like stage fright necessarily i'm not saying i never have it but i'm pretty good with it um my big fear is memorizing lines having to be on stage and to give you lines, I'm, my fear is I'm going to forget them. That's my bigger fear. And other people are like, are you insane? Like, like that makes no sense. But really being on, I could be in stage in front of a thousand people, I'd be okay. But if I had to give you words that I memorized, but I'm, I could give you the general neighborhood. So I learned I was very good at improv. Right. Well, I just couldn't memorize myself because I started off in acting and quickly simultaneously was doing improv and I knew the acting wasn't for me. I was in a play, a couple of plays, disasters. <laughs> what kind of the, mem the memorizing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I feel bad for the other cast members because I would skip a line or say a line way before it should be said. <laughs> and don't rely, right, exactly. Don't rely on my lines to get to your lines because it may not happen. <laughs> <laughs> gonna have to improv too, babe. We improv. We all improving in here today. Yeah, so, yeah. That was me too. So you took some improv in college, mm -hmm. or I was given improv. It was part of the acting. That's how we were introduced. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you didn't go to the new school, so no. <laughs> and you had a baby. And I had a baby. Mm -hmm. So what happened next? Let's see. So I was 21 then. So I was a baby. I didn't realize I was a baby. I thought I was grown up. Right. Um, and then, so in between then and there, before I had my baby, I had gotten on stage. So I, I had actually done some stage acting. Uh, so here we have a, a theater house called Center Stage where a lot of the big uh, plays would come in. And I was doing all right. I mean, I was doing all right. Right. Um, th that's not bad for your first play outside of college. And yeah, what was it? What were some of the plays? Le Blanc. So Le Blanc's was the big one, um, which was it had a lot of amazing people, an amazing director. Um, and then I was like, well, I could do this. I think I could do this. And then I was pregnant and, then, and the universe is like, but you're not. You're not going to do it right now. So that was that was the stop on, on uh, traditional because my plan was never traditional theater, right? My plan was, but I got a, sh you know, shout out to Morgan. My education in theater was so thorough um, for something that I hadn't dreamed about. <laughs> it's something that I was like, oh, I love this. Like, I love the community. I love all of the aspects of it. Um, all my creative urges were itched. How did you end up in theater? What was your, what was your link to theater? Um, I had a brain aneurysm and uh, as I was recovering and it, luckily I recovered, they did the surgery and blah, blah, blah. It was a brain, a brain aneurysm. And mm -hmm. so I came to, uh, 
when I was recovering, a friend of mine who'd been in community theater for a long time here in Naples named Claire, she suggested I try this class on acting to kind of get my brain going or whatever. And so um, I found this wonderful little theater and I was taking acting, but then I was taking improv from a charismatic person who had actually studied with Del Close years before and had been in comedy sports and things like that. Anyway, it was just so exciting that I fell in love. And within a year I was teaching kids um, and then moved on to teach other people. And mm -hmm. so that's how it started. <laughs> that's a, you know, that's one of the things I love is, so I have ADD. Uh, so, and I come from the generation where it was new for, for women to be diagnosed or young. I was a baby girl, I was in fourth grade. Um, so it was really rare for uh, girls back then. I don't know if you remember, but like they thought only boys had it. Right, 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 right. And so then they studied me because apparently the only way they knew it is that how it showed up in me was typical and how it showed up in boys. I was hyper. Um, I was all over the place. Oh, you dropped your eraser. I'll get that for you. <laughs> I'm way across the room. And, you know, so um, I learned that I had, you know, ADD. And one of the things, uh, I was watching a video about an uh, older woman who was like, you know, my memory has always been like this. I just get to use age as my excuse. That's kind of how I, my memory has always been kind of whatever's interesting me. Right, right, right. Yes. Like women. But the details, like details that are important to other people have never really been super important to me. It's the other things. And nobody ever wants to talk to me about the other things. I'm like, God damn it, I know them. Talk about the things like, you know. So, so improv to me was really good for training my brain, right? right. Like yeah. notice yeah. that it got me, um, you know, what I say, my memory is, my recall is probably better. Like it is probably, it still is what it is, but it's, at least I've learned how to at least buy myself time in between trying to pull up what I need. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, it has helped some, some. Yeah, I mean, we need to have some memory. Like sometimes I forget the name that's been assigned to me or I forget what I've called somebody. I got to write it down. <laughs> but I do know that's like one of the uh, conversations we had about the rules. Right. And what the rules look like. And if we're being honest, because... Um, you know, one of the terms uh, we see now is the neurodiversity, like the, the diverse ways that people. Yes. Um, so to drill home, like I struggle with names. That's the, it's not me. It's nothing insulting. Like I know people get insulted, like if you really wanted to remember, but that's not how my brain works. Um, and that and I'm being very honest. Like, I don't even remember. I named my youngest child and I don't even remember her full name. Like I have to be like, oh, shit, what what is my baby's name? Like all the way. <laughs> So to think that we're always, it's almost like instead of demanding people who that's not natural for them, or it's a, it's a super struggle, because then you're setting up people to fail. Remember that conversation we had about setting people up to win? It's like, we have to learn how to practice how in a scene, if we forget someone's name, <laughs> oh baby then they become baby. oh baby oh like or they i find some other <laughs> and it's important for your teammates to know necessarily that's a good conversation like hey i'm really bad with names if you don't mind repeating a couple of times if you name me just repeat it a couple of times or right. or repeat someone's name you know what i mean like it's what do those conversations look like 
because I can't remember. <laughs> I don't. So let's go back to your improv history. I love that you were looking at improv theatrically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a whole nother game than what we see on a lot of stages. Now, when you were, I don't know how old you are. I'm not going to ask, but you've been married for 28 years. I know that. And coming into improv as a black woman, can we talk about that a little bit? What was going on when you entered the world of improv? Sure. So when I entered the world of improv, I had had uh, my 12 year old. And I had danced around um, improv like uh, performance because here in Baltimore, creatively, there's a lot, right? Like there's a lot uh, going on. So we've always been um, around the creative world here in Baltimore. And then once I had my baby, uh, my youngest one, I was like, well, I got to get I've got to do something creative because what I notice is whenever I go too long without doing something creative or without like uh, an, a creative outlet, I start to get depressed. Right. And when I'm right. stagnant or I'm not doing something creative, like I start to become very depressed. And so I took a class and I loved it. I really did. I loved it. In Baltimore. In Baltimore, Catherine Carlson with uh, Baltimore Improv Group. And then I took one more class. And during that class, uh, every so often they would have auditions, like a, like once a year, maybe one and a half years. So I said, you know, what the heck, let me try. And I auditioned and I got in. So that's uh, how I got in. So I got in on main stage in the middle of my second class. That was 2000. So I've been doing performing on stage probably since, how's my baby? She's 12. Since 2011. Mm-hmm. It's 2000, she was born in 2010. I started taking classes in 2011. Okay. So, and that was it. I was in, I was hooked ever since. So you were playing and were there, you know, in the early days of improv, it was like four white girl, four white guys and maybe a woman. Um, <laughs> but there was not a lot of black faces doing improv. Well, for me, I'm going to tell you, when I came in for my audition, uh, Rashid and and um, and who's now in LA uh, came in in Kong, and so the three of us came in, and that was the most that had ever come in at one time. And I think there were a couple of people of color, but at our theater there was like one on each team. <laughs> you know, we right, peppered right, the right. black people right. or the POC. And so when we came in, one of the performers that had been there uh, for a while, his name's Chris, was like, well, there's like enough people of color to do a troupe. Why don't we form a troupe? Which we did. And we were Minority Report, which later became Casually Dope. So it's almost like as soon as I got in, I had the luxury and the privilege of being in an all uh, Black or all POC um, team. So that was a little bit of a, I would say a unique experience. That's wonderful. I came in around the same time and certainly things were changing by then. Certainly they were. They were, I mean, yeah. I think people were grappling with what diversity inclusion looked like since it hadn't been around, uh, people didn't know how to implement it. Um, So that was the, and really in, in truth, it's kind of like how Casually Dope came about. 
which was, we have to implement it. You have to provide us space for us to figure out how to be in this space. Like it's not, nobody else can, you can't create a space for us. You know what I mean? You, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can maybe create a space where we can be who we are, but you can't dictate it for us. If that, I, I, I it's, I've got to find the language for it, but it's, you can't, I would hate to be on an all black team that a white person put together. That wouldn't be what I'm looking for. No, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. I like the fact that we were like, oh, well, let's do it. And we did it. And it was us who did it. So that's what's important. And did you have a coach or did you just do work together as a team and create things or? We had coaches. Oh my gosh. So we have, uh, we had a couple of coaches. It was a struggle because being an all black team, especially when all the black people or all the POC people are in this team, then to look for someone to coach, because you don't necessarily, it doesn't feel good to be coached necessarily by someone inside the team. So when you're looking externally to find someone to teach, that was uh, interesting. We had a great uh, coach named Heather, who was amazing. uh, One of the original uh, founders of BIG. Uh, We loved Heather, um, but for the most part, we kind of like, worked on ourselves and then we'd find a coach every once in a while. Um, but that was the struggle was finding someone who felt right, right. to work with us. Yeah. So, um, and of course I do need to mention that I was on a team that you were coaching for a while and still do, I think occasionally. And yeah. uh, what a wonderful experience to be coached by you plus the other trainings mm-hmm. I've done with you. It's, it's really cool. So- so you're doing these, now some of the shows you had ran for quite a while, right? Um, so as far as Casually Dope, we were about 11 years. So that was a long wow. time and we traveled. I also had, and when I say luxury and privilege, I understand that it was a privilege, right? I know most teens don't get to do this, but we got to travel all over North America and we got to headline at a lot of places. So I got to have that experience when I know that's not the normal, right? Um, so, and then um, I was a, a founding member of uh, one of the founders of Cakewalk, which is yeah. also another amazing team. Um, Tell me more about Cakewalk. Oh, okay. Well, Cakewalk, I love Cakewalk. I love Cakewalk. Um, Cakewalk is, so I had a lot of privilege in the theater, right? If I wanted to do a show, I knew I could do a show. Um, But what I realized was there wasn't a lot of opportunity for everybody else, right? There was a small group of us who had space and in my mind, it didn't feel right that that we got to do things and other people didn't necessarily feel at home. Yeah, beautiful. Um, Because as a team, right? Like there wasn't, (laughs) I remember one time and it made me so mad and I hope the guy who said it watches this because, ooh, but um, we were trying to get someone on our team. We would, back in the day, we'd do auditions at the theater where everyone from the theater would be in the room and it would be like a cage match trying to get who you wanted on your team. So I wanted someone on my team. And I was, I was very, if I wanted someone, I was, um, <laughs> I was <laughs> and so I, this one person I didn't get and they were a person, they were a black, uh, a black guy. And um, the guy was like, this guy behind me was like a white guy said, I don't worry, he'll, he'll be on Casually Dope. And I turned to him and I said, what? 
And it made me so mad because it was the assumption because we were all black that we're just going to all, that's not what it was anymore. What it was, was now we were this curated team who people had to make sense to be on it, right? Like creatively, that's what it was. Now we were this creative team that had to make sense. And the assumption that that's just what would happen, it just, ooh, it made me mad for some reason. And I think that kind of stuck with me. Well, because it was like also, but where do people play if they want to play with all Black people? Right. So that's kind of like how Cakewalk. Um, so I did a project. I did a project for a show, I really wanted another team, but one of the things that I think is weird is when you push people together and you say, I want you to be a, a team, uh, because then it's like, uh, it's weird. You know what I mean? Like, Mar Margaret, you're gonna love this person. Now you feel pressure, like, am I gonna love them? I don't know. Right. <laughs> and then I've watched a lot of teams be put together that didn't make sense, but I had been watching people at the um, theater and. And these people really seemed to make sense to me. And so we did a project together and they really loved each other. And I was like, well, you know, you could be a troop. Like, we could be a troop. And then that's how Cakewalk formed. Well, so. for listeners that may not even know what Cakewalk is, do you want to describe the historical meaning of a Cakewalk? Yes. So Cakewalk, the name came about, Cakewalk is, um, it is the satirical satirical way of uh like black people would make fun of white people um <laughs> uh and they would do a dance and then what they do it in front of white people and white people would be like oh we love that dance not realizing that it was really like mocking them and that was the cakewalk and it has taken on new names but really that's what it was um and there's a more eloquent way i i think probably to describe it but that's the gist of it. And so um, that's, yeah, that's the name. Great. And Cakewalk so. is still going. Still going strong. They're an award-winning team. Um, they are traveling. They're going to Texas soon. I'm not going to be traveling with them. I'm going to be uh, doing something else, but uh, I'll be teaching. So I won't be able to travel, but um they are also an amazing uh, team that has cultivated, so we cultivated big into characters. So that's my thing. I love, love characters. And so the, the way our show would go is we would get a theme, like the first uh, series that we did was like a Sanford and Sons. It was like a Roscoe's Garage. It was very, um, that was a lot of fun. So we would really learn our characters and really, and I would direct, but the performers would really learn their characters. And then um we just they just finished doing the run of uh the ebony cruise um the ebony boat which was like a parody of the love boat right right <laughs> a great deal of fun and we did a lot of work on the characters and so now i think they're trying to figure out what their next uh run will be but their character work perfection really good now you've traveled abroad haven't you um, I've taught abroad through by way of, but I've definitely, we've traveled uh, Canada, both coasts. Um, I've taught, which I love. I love Toronto. I, and I also, I, I love Canada, period. I love some of the people I've met. They're some of my greatest friends. So I've been very lucky. So talking about teaching, what do you do to teach character? I mean, how do you have some tricks that you pull out of a bag? <laughs> this is my bag of improv tricks. 
said, I'm going to get this one. I shouldn't say tricks really, but. Um. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I think there's a combination, right? There are some just simple tricks, right? Um, fake it till you make it. But I also think there's a lot of psychology. There's a lot of studying people that goes into it, just like acting. Um, I think there is a lot of getting to know characters, like uh, practicing characters. So when they show up, it's kind of like, it's kind of a little bit like cheating. So I used to rap back in the day. So I used to be a rapper and I used to be in a group uh, that would, cool. uh, uh, all women's group, uh, Earth Natives. And so, um, but the thing is, is we would do freestyle battles and you're supposed to, and so sometimes you cheat and be like, all right, well, let me write this little first paragraph so I can have something to start with that sounds, that's cheating. That's not right, right? I'm not saying to cheat, but it is kind of like get to know characters. So when you're on stage, you have this treasure trove right. of people you can tap into sometimes. That's the beauty of Cakewalk. Like you don't have to focus on building the character. You get to now really focus on the story. So that's the fun bit. So um, do I have tricks? Sure. <laughs> so um, you, you mentioned auditioning. And uh, recently I was asked to be on a panel of a possible group and uh, look at some people who are auditioning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I felt uncomfortable because, you know, I want everybody to win. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. I just did. I didn't, because I... Well, you're judging people. You are evaluating people and, and yeah. seeing how they play and everything. But I think either being in an audition is very tough, I think, sometimes. But being the auditioner or whatever, I panel of judges, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, so my thoughts, a little bit different, is I want people to win. I want right. people to walk away with an amazing experience. And um, so sometimes my thoughts are someone will be like hella funny, like amazing, but I can see how they are with people. And if I want to build a strong uh, unit, say I'm auditioning for a team, I'm not going to pick them necessarily, even though they're very good, because it could be at the detriment to the detriment of the unit right so I think like that I'm like mm, is that a good match um so I don't really feel bad <laughs> I don't really feel bad because there's also hopefully there's a place for that there's always going to be a place for people right it's just creating what works for people um so that's how I think I think I want people to win I want to set them up in the right positions exactly exactly I work with I teach uh, over uh, zoom I teach people with uh Parkinson's improv mm -hmm. and talk about wanting people to win we have to go very slowly sometimes it takes a while to get words out etc and to make sure that everything they're giving us is considered a wonderful gift and we're happy whatever they do so right. this is a different kind of winning um right uh, it's and what the need the performers need needs are so it, it to me it is a lot of I think that the person who is doing the the auditioning the auditioner now I'm confused I feel like I knew it <laughs> and then you question it <laughs> I'm not sure. I did it um, on purpose I did it on purpose to confuse you yeah <laughs> can we do a montage of just like me questioning life now like 
Um, but I do think that you have to be thoughtful. Like if you're like the artistic director at a theater and you're figuring out the teams, because uh, what I noticed for a long time and in the improv uh, theaters, as I don't think a lot of thought went into it in some of the theaters that I was around, like people would just kind of be like, well, how many people need to be on here? We need one more person over here. And that's not saying all theaters. I'm just saying the ones that I, I was like, no one's going to study to see if these people play well together or if they're like, and that's where a lot of problems would come up later, right? Because they're like, I don't get along or we don't understand. Or if you do that, I feel like you have to do a lot of work where people get to know each other. And that didn't seem like a priority. So Got it. Got I think it. times are changing. Maybe. I hope so. Me too. So getting back to uh, your professional life, you're going to be at Utopia East, mm-hmm. is that right? Mm-hmm. That's okay. I am. I am. <laughs> I, mean, I am. Hydrate during these things. Yes. Hydration. Have you been to camp? Have you been to camp yet, Margo? No, I've never been to camp. Oh, my okay. first experience was camp with a uh, camp with Magnet way back when. Wow. I went with a girlfriend. She's a screenwriter now. And we both went. And before I had even decided, maybe right after I took the first class, but that was a great. I love that experience. That was fun. That, that was with Armando and who else? Dave Rizowski. Wow. That was really I didn't know who any of those people were. I did not look. I did not look because I didn't want to be weird when I got there. I didn't look. I didn't. But, but apparently it was jam-packed. I am going to the uh, Vintage Improv Festival this year. You've taught for them, haven't you, Vintage? Um, I don't want to ask you questions that involve memory, so we'll pass over that. But part of the reason I'm going is Jane Mason, Dina Kreiss, and uh, Michael Gelman, if you're familiar with any of them, are going to be there. And uh, like I loved Gelman's book, The Process, mm-hmm. and Dina, I have been studying musical improv with her ever since I started. And, and Jane Morris is just out of this world. So. Yeah. I love vintage. I've, I've watched them, and I think that early on, yeah, no, I, I like the vintage. I and I also love the communities that are built around. Yes. Uh, yeah. So uh, you're adjunct professor at Morgan mm-hmm. State, and tell us a little bit about what you're teaching and how you teach. Um, I am teaching applied improv. Uh, that's what I teach and foundational. So uh, for a lot of students, this is the first time that they had it. It was an elective for everyone, but I ended up with mostly actors. And uh, it was, I must say, I was very lucky, uh, very blessed. Uh, the experience, I'm, I love teaching anyway, but the fact that this was an improv class just people coming into the classrooms right after the pandemic. So it's this introduction to people, to community, to connection. And I was a class that they get to just play in. Oh my God, it was the best. I mean, I I really enjoyed watching the kids thrive uh, under play. Like it just literally, it it was almost like recess for them. They had a ball and I had a ball watching them. So that was fun. So you taught two different kind of courses applied? No, I, I, I taught both. So I taught, so with foundational, you're teaching them just the found, you know, just the foundation because they never learned. Uh, most of them didn't know improv. 
And then also while teaching that, I'm teaching them how to apply it to every day or to, which ended up being that I'm applying it to a lot of acting and to a lot of, um, to a lot of uh, creative aspects because most of my students were theater, but I would have loved to have some uh, nursing students. I would have loved to have, uh, you know, I love teaching people or having those conversations. Now, this is how we can use this in the real world. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. Oh, it must be some, and you're teaching again? Are you teaching now? I am, I am, yeah, I am. That is wonderful. I'm very excited. Yeah, but yeah. And I love my babies. I really love my students. So I'm very, I'm very lucky. So you had to provide a curriculum and all of that good mm -hmm. stuff, right? And grading. I don't know what kind of grade system are they on in Morgan? <laughs> if you show up, you get an A? No. Well, sort of. No, actually. So the big, so what uh, the head of the department was just like, okay, I, I don't want your feelings to get hurt but the kids aren't really showing up like, cause it's pandemic and people are really stressed. So don't, don't I don't want you to feel that. I was like, okay, those babies, all of them showed up. Not only did all of them show up, but I had two people that weren't even in my class that I was trying to give grades. I was like, I don't know how to give them grades. Like, I don't know where to put their grades because they're weren't even in my class. They were just showing up. One had let me know like halfway through the semester, like, oh, I'm not a student. Cause I got on for missing a day. They missed one day. I'm like, where were you? I'm not even a student, but okay, I promised to make. And every every day on time. And um, then I had another student who I think I gave someone completely. This is awful, but I think I gave someone else uh, a grade for him because. Because in the beginning, sometimes what will happen, it'll be a whole bunch of names on the roster. But if, if, if classes overlap and they have to take certain classes, you might not see that student at all and they'll drop the name. And I remember at the beginning, they had told me their name, this student, and I love this student. He, he's business, the best. And um, told me that I called out the name and looked around, nobody. And so he's like, it's me. <laughs> I gave him a A by the time we were done. He's like, oh yeah, I'm not even... I'm not logged in. I was like, what? I didn't mind that. I liked it. To me, if the babies want to be there and this is fun for them and they can uh, spend time enjoying and making the connections, I, I didn't care. They could all came. I wouldn't mind it. So, so here's a, a, a question. Mm -hmm. what, are the, what, are, what are the first maybe two games you teach when you're teaching introduction? Oh, that is a great question. So one of the first, one of the first games that I like to teach, um, well, let's think. One of the first warm-ups I like to teach uh, is mind melt. Nothing can explain the feeling that you get when you're on stage and you're connected, like winning a round of mind melt. And how do you play? And what's your version of mind meld? My version, great question, because an M probably could be right. My version of mind meld is uh, someone raises their hand, says one, the other person, player B, raises their hand, says two, they both say three. And then at the same time, they both have to say their word and then use that as inspiration to try and guess, you know, what the other person's thinking. I love it. Once that happens, it's like, you can see the fireworks going off. People are running around. Like it's an amazing, 
And another exercise I really love to do is the poetry slam. So that is when you have this, how you teach the community. For me, you have a student come up on stage and well, you're standing in a circle to cipher. And so you're like, yes. And here's the, here's the gag. A lot of times people feel a lot of pressure about what they're going to say. But for this exercise, really what's important is the people who are supporting. That's the real job. Like, are you supporting? Are you yelling? Are you making it hard for them? Like, you just want to be like, ah. Um, and great. that's amazing. Because whoever's on stage, I mean, you feel that. You feed and they're like, oh my God, that was so fun. So I like to use those two. And that really gets them in the world, I think. I think. So what are your two favorites? Um. Well, when I'm teaching and like I have an ongoing group or something, um, we play this game. My name is Margo and I'm here to say, I like piano in a major way. And then they all go major way, major way, but it's getting them to learn the first lines of the song. So mm -hmm. sometimes I just do a simple name game where you say your name and an alliterative word and a gesture. And we go around several times till we just do the gestures only. So like Fargo Mango and they all go and then we, Everybody has their own specific word and movement. And that's kind of a fun one too. And you do that. And that's good for, what do you, what do you like to use that for? Is that memory or? Memory, getting to know each other, being silly. Mm -hmm. Being silly, especially. And yeah. that there are no mistakes. And I, I emphasize that all the time. You know, I have a person in my PD group who's always saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I said, listen, next time you say that, I'm, I'm going to throw paint all your face. It's on Zoom or whatever, because there are no mistakes and everything you're giving me is a gift. So, um, and sometimes, well, on Zoom, especially, um, I, I have a drop in and a few other classes. We start with music. And we're just kind of moving to the music and warming up our bodies. So that's another one of my favorites. Yeah, I think it, it's lovely to see people become comfortable in their skin. And especially in person, it's lovely to see people become comfortable on stage. Like yeah. if this is what they really want to do. And um, because you know how it is when you're first getting into the world of theater, you're not necessarily friends with the stage. <laughs> the stage is something right, right, like right. in your brain, you might be trying to overcome. And once you realize like, I don't have to overcome the stage, the stage is my friend. Right. Um, it's lovely to see people body that. So that's that, that same feeling. I really enjoy that, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to be able to do live classes, but some of my groups, people are from all over the country. I love that. I love, I know people didn't love Zoom, Margo, but I love, like, I wouldn't have gotten to meet, I probably wouldn't have gotten to meet you. I, I Maybe, but I, I don't think I would have. I wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet all the amazing people and get to work with all the amazing people I have. So I really, you know, the, there are blessings that come out of hardships. I consider the Zoom movement and improv a, a true blessing. I really do. Oh, absolutely. I've, I've been really digging it. I have an office actually, a real space, and I have a group room where I can have a small group class. Mm -hmm. But I like being at home and getting myself a Diet Coke when I want to, <laughs> taking the dog out. That's it. <laughs> And then I have this theory, look, look, and you know, I have ADD, so I'm walking. That was the big joke with me. They're like, there goes blue. Cause there comes a certain moment 
when um you know I've gotten much better with it but in the beginning I was like oh I can't sit still for this I gotta I would just walk like and then I remember one time someone came to visit not too long ago and they were like oh finally get to see your house because I feel like I've seen it all because I would walk (laughs) during sets but one of the things about um playing with so many different people across the country, which I think is amazing for improv. I think when we go back to the stage, I I feel like my theories will see this as it's kind of like the biome of your stomach. I've been in a rabbit hole about that. That's why I'm excited to make that comparison. But um, the fact that we are ingesting so many different types from all over, I feel like now we have no choice but to kind of play differently, to morph. So there's this evolution, I feel like that's going to happen in improv, just from the sheer act of seeing how so many other people play and playing with each other and having to get to know other styles and other uh, politeness on stage or um, theories. You know what I mean? Like people really had to understand how they were thinking of it. So it's kind of like eating a well-rounded diet. Now you have uh, a healthier flora. So I hope that's a good oh I like that healthier floor thank you, you. Have, I am <laughs> do you have any experience with musical improv and if so tell me about it so I used to be a rapper like I told you so I have a great deal of experience for freestyle rapping I do not love rapping um no <laughs> but um, I don't love doing I don't know what it is I don't love musical improv uh there's a disconnect for me I enjoy how much uh people enjoy it I do and one day I'm gonna dip my toes in it but right now I don't love it so uh, I love musical improv okay even though I don't have a great voice I just love it and I'm committed to it where and I will sing in any scene you know even if nobody asks me to I will just start singing and I really like the beastie rap format the rap game and but somebody recently said well you know that doesn't belong to white people and I how do you feel like that when somebody says to me well you're I think is the word appropriating um you know something that's not from your culture it's not really cool what do you think about that no, that's a really good question. Um, let me tell you what I think. I think that might be what, so there are two reasons why I think I'm uncomfortable with musical improv sometimes. As one, I tried it with a troupe that wasn't musical and I kind of left, I got left on dry. And it takes a lot of balls to sing when there's no singing happening. <laughs> and when it doesn't get like picked up, you're kind of like, oh, well, I'm by myself on this one. So I think that was something that happened to me early on. And then the other thing is, I don't know how I feel about it. I do think it is appropriation. I do think to a certain degree it is appropriation. Uh Um, Without some sort of, because I know we use Beastie Boys. Beastie Boys were, um, I think, predominantly Jewish. So I I know... But it's also, and then there's Freestyle Love Supreme, which is predominantly. So here we have all these representatives that aren't really representing what I know hip hop to be at all, like at all. So then it's just like, now I'm someone who actually is from that world that's here. And I'm like, this feels weird and I don't love it. Um, And that's just, you know, that's how I feel, but I know that it brings people joy. So I, I try and sit with that. Well, that little game we play a major way is kind of in a rap beat kind mm-hmm. of 
that doesn't bother now see that doesn't bother me and i think you should be i think everyone is entitled to like i don't think anyone has a market on but it's like calling it beastie boys like why is it beastie boys right like why aren't we paying the homage but then it could go the other way like why are you calling it this so i don't know i struggle it's not something i've wrote my theory on yet i can only go with how i feel gut wise but i know i don't feel great sometimes with it so and we need to feel great most of the time. I have a bit of ADD or ADHD. Um, I sometimes flitter from project to project and have trouble concentrating sometimes. Um, and that reminds me of a question I wanted to ask that has nothing to do with ADD. Is that, do you write at all? Do you do any sketch work? I do, I do sketch work. I write, uh, my next project is, I'm, you know, I'm working. Um, I'm really, uh, my goal is to get a, a sitcom. Like I would like to uh, start working on specs. Uh, I love the kind, I would love at the end of the day, like when we talk about legacy, I would love to create a uh, sitcom or a show that brings people joy. Cause I know when I've been very depressed or sad, um, what has, kept me from really going dark are shows that I just kind of get like the office the office has pulled me through a very dark time and I just laid there and I watched and I'm sure my brain like if you were doing a scanner would be like like just nothing no activity but I loved it and I hope I can provide that for somebody else I think that's terrific. I think you'd be wonderful. I, I've rewatched a lot of my favorites. Like I watched all of the Jerry Seinfeld, the Seinfeld episode. My husband there. loves Seinfeld. Yeah, that's that's his go-to. Yeah. And there was a show called Veep with Julia Louise Dreyfus. Yes, that was very smart. I've never, sometimes it's so funny. I feel like a, like a bird, like a raven who kind of stores things. Like I will save shows. Like I know I want to watch a show and I'll hold on to it for when... Because I can't watch a show, a series back to back again. Like if I watch The Office from top to bottom, I couldn't watch it again right. anytime soon. I need to forget it <laughs> so I can watch it again, which is what not show, wrong. What shows do you like now? Um, Let me see. What, what do I like? Uh, Right now, oh, I really, really enjoyed. What's the name of that show? I'm going to Google. So it's going to look like um the show. There's a show... From the guy from the Family Guy, uh, science. Yeah, uh, um, he d- it's like a, a fake uh, Star Trek show. Uh huh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why can't I think of the name of it? Look, I'm typing Family Guy, uh, Star Trek show. <laughs> Let's see if this shows up. I don't know. Let's see if it. Oh, it did. The Orville, it came up. Look at my brain. So the <laughs> Orville, I really liked the Orville. I thought, I think I, that was a show I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed um, Ghosts, the British version. That was fun to me for some reason. Uh-huh. Uh, and I really enjoyed uh, Schitt's Creek. I think that's on everybody's yeah. list. Yeah, Schitt's sure Creek is. Yeah. yeah. What show are you watching? I like British crime stories. I love the accent, whether they're Brits or Scottish or Irish. I just find the acting to be really interesting. So I'm watching something now called Waking the Dead about a team that finds, you know, cold case. Um, mm-hmm. And they, they uh, anyway, I'm just enjoying it. It's like, I, you know, in the early 2000s in Britain. And 
That's what I'm watching right now. I have a very good friend who's in love with BBC uh, show Tashika. She loves, she's on Cakewalk. She loves, y'all would have a ton to talk about. She loves British shows. Uh, Cause she even liked The Office, the British show, The Office. I'm, oh, I'm gonna yeah. try it again. I'm gonna try it again. It was hard. It was, I was just coming off the tail end of the other one. So it was hard for me to switch over. So I'm gonna try well, it again. It's really funny. And uh, I just love it. And Ricky Gervais has gotten a lot of flack. Sometimes he mm-hmm. goes over the edge too much, but mm-hmm. um, it's just so funny. And the character, the actors in it are terrific. But, I um, think if I had watched that one first, then I feel that way about that. It's like what's locked in in my brain as the first. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, we're bouncing around a little bit. And we talked about I like it. Yeah, good, good, good. Oh, we talked about maybe doing an improv game all together today. And uh, you don't have to, but if you'd like to um, suggest something and then you'd be the one calling scene. Um, or not suggest anything. It's up to you. You'll be the. You just suggest. That's too much pressure. <laughs> I'm gonna lobby that back onto you, Margot. I would love for you to suggest something fun for us to play. You know, I'll call it. I don't mind calling it. I don't usually take suggestions anymore. I like not playing with suggestions at all. Okay. Yeah. Let's do yeah, that. But, but you have to call scene. Okay. Promise. Okay. Okay. You said promise two hours later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, come on. Okay. Um, Do you want to turn cameras off and then back on? Yeah, let's try that. Okay. Okay, darling. Different in the brochure. Way different. Like it. You don't like it? Uh, no, I do. No, it's it's very beautiful. But when you say cavern, I think of something more expansive. This feels more like a cave to me. Yeah, it kind of does. And then they made us put on these lights before we even could get inside. It just isn't the kind of adventure trip I planned necessarily. Well, honestly, I like the costume. You know, I'm into costumes. So the lights, that's kind of my, I hope they let me keep them, but we didn't really need them, did we? It's not that deep. Uh, I don't want to make it feel bad, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You know how I feel about energy, but it's not that. I wouldn't call it a cavern. I wouldn't. A cavernette? Maybe to make it feel good, but no. I mean, I don't know. Maybe a slope? A what? A slope? Is that? A globe? A slope. Like a slope. It feels more like the hill's leaning over. It doesn't feel like it's its own thing. Right. A hill leaning over. I'm I must admit, I'm glad they put these weighted magnet shoes on us because that's giving me a firmer grip as we go up. I do like that. Honestly, it feels like we're moonwalking. That's fun. I like that. Yeah, that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take that off on the right side. 
you know, when we signed up for this, you said that you had something you wanted to tell me. Is this long? You want to wait? This is this is as good a place as any. I mean, we're all alone in here, I think. Oh, somebody's oh. telling me he's here. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'll just walk by. They don't, they can't hear us. Well, I've got a secret. Ooh. So it involves you. Mm. I I plan this trip because. Mm. Well, just open this little box. Well, this is beautiful. Me? Beautiful. This is your baby locket. Isn't this your baby locket? Am I? It is my baby locket. If you look closely, you can see little teeth marks in it, see? That means it's real gold? It's real gold. It is real gold, yeah. And it's, it's a little bit old, but I want you to have it now. I want you to have it and wear it as often as you like. I um, This is... I don't, I feel very touched. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. I know, I know this makes you uncomfortable. I'm very sorry, but this is- You can get more emotional if you want to. I'm... Well, you don't mind if I get, cause usually it makes you uncomfortable. Well, today I'm feeling, I don't know what I'm feeling, but it, I, I love to see you get emotional. Okay. Yeah. Hold the box for me. Hold the, hold okay. the box for me, yeah. okay? Got it. Yeah. Can you, can you clasp it for me in the back? Absolutely. There you go. Well, how does it look? Stunning. Okay. It looks stunning. Yeah, I love it. Never look a, a gift horse in the mouth. I love it. Beautiful. And I know how important, but, but I almost feel guilty taking it. Why, why are you giving it to me? This is so important to you. And you're important to me. You're very important to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> think you're important to me too. So it's it's kind of like it's not really an engagement locket. Oh, but I feel it, awful. It's you feel awful. I don't have anything to give you. You give me like this beautiful thing and I don't have anything like what do I give you? Do you want my lip gloss? What do I give you? Yes. I've always wanted your lip gloss because it your lips are so beautiful and I would love to have your lip gloss. Like now? Because I don't have any moisture. No, no, I want to give it to you. I know that sounded selfish. I know you say I'm selfish sometimes. That wasn't what I meant. Like I want to get you a new one, but I'm going to give you this one. I'm going to give you this one. Okay, because you know you do tend to be a little selfish, you know, like when we were sharing the toothpaste and you said I took too much out. And it was a big container of toothpaste. But it was organic. It cost $20. I'm not trying to, I'm just saying that maybe you go a little overboard. Like you, it's a dime size. It's a dime size. Use a quarter. Well, you know, I have been wanting to tell you that your frugality is kind of bringing me down sometimes, you know, like don't give the dog that much food. It's too expensive. 
Just yeah. give him half a half a serving and he'll be okay. I mean, but to be fair, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. That's why I love you. I love your 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 gusto for life. But your gusto is a little bit expensive. Like when you gusto all the lights still on in the house. Like I just feel like, and you know how I feel about unnatural light. Like it really bothers me, but you leave every light on in the house. It's gusto. It gusto. is absolutely the gusto way of living. Gusto. You know, it's, it's gusto. And the, my last roommate taught me that. Expose everything. Expose yourself. Let's see everything with lots of light. Oh, no, that's great. That's great. I'm real glad you brought that up. Uh, I would wonder with this necklace, does that mean you'll stop calling me your present day roommate? Because I, I tell everyone we go with each other and it makes it weird when we're all together and you say we're roommates because I've already told people we're a thing. Well, I like to move slowly. I like to move slowly when we, you know, go out together there and it's our business i mean what does anybody else have to know about it i i didn't know it offended you i agree i mean it's just that we've been together since 98 we've been together since 98 what's that 20 24 years that's 23 yeah. i don't know the math it's been a very long time that we've been together you and i we've been together a long so at this point i feel like it's almost safe to assume that most people yes. know. Yes. I mean, you can do all Thanksgivings with me. Absolutely. My thought entirely. Why do we have to say it? You know how I feel. And people, when they see us, like, okay, I don't hold your hand in public because, you know, that's just a middle, you know, PDA for me. Uh, and, uh, but I, when we're home, I'm, I can't take my hands off of you. Right. Yeah. No almost too much. I love you. I love you. I don't know why I'm doing this. I do this. I ruin beautiful moments because I go into, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry for this. This is no, no. Well, you do do this. Of course you do do this and, and you can apologize a hundred times and you know, I'm still going to love you. Thank you. That's what matters. Honestly. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Here's my lip gloss. I hope I'm going to get you something better. I just feel bad that this would be, I didn't even know. I didn't know. Here you go. Am I getting it on right? I, I can't Using see. Using too much, too much, Margo. Too much, scene. <laughs> too much. I'm what are you doing? <laughs> They're going to make it. <laughs> Thank you. They're going to make it. So much. It's so much fun to play with you. I just love playing with you. It is really great. So we were talking about legacies before mentioning a legacy mm -hmm. to your legacy would be maybe to have a series on tv right yeah. a series on i'm TV. for certain that will happen that's when working on it now so yeah and what about any other legacies you might have um i feel like i've accomplished i feel good about what I've accomplished so far. So I think that I, uh, one of the legacies I can be proud of is the work that I've done in the community and inclusion and creating spaces. And uh, so those things I'm very proud of. Um, I am really, I'm really, 
excited because both of my girls, those, those are my babies, are my legacy that I'm super proud of. They're both natural improv performers. They didn't have to get teased to get there. Um, so that's a great legacy. Um, maybe my oldest might've got teased a little bit, but, um, but they're amazing improv performers. I'm proud of them. Um, the teams that I've been on, the teams that I've worked on, like all of those things are my legacy. So, so far I'm really proud of my legacy. I'm really excited for the well-paying legacy. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, where we can take vacations in between the two. And I'm blessed. I'm not complaining. I'm, I feel very blessed. So I am looking forward to, and also the idea of coming into every, every day to work to a writer's table that you enjoy and people that you enjoy. And um, that's what you get to do every day. Like, that's what, I, I say that a lot. I'm like, well, I get to do this every day? Like, this is very, so I feel very blessed that this is my so life. when you say writer's table, are you meaning an actual literal writer's yeah. table? Yeah, actual literal drive, park in my special. I hope I have a special, this is what I'm at, special parking space. Like don't fucking park here unless you're blue. I'm gonna get out, I'm gonna go in, <laughs> sit at the table. We're gonna crack jokes all day. Then we're gonna yell at someone to get it in on time because I'm just go home and not worry about it. And we'll have a series. I hope that's exactly how it looks. And then we get paid pretty well. I hope that's what it looks like. Well, listen, I love that I've gotten to know you through, I think Jay might've been our first introduction. Yeah. yeah. And um, I'm just so happy to know you because you're so supportive and encouraging and your mm -hmm. notes are so wise and well thought out. So it's an honor to know you, Blue Cavell Attell. Blue Cavell Attell. <laughs> it's an honor to know you, Bashkaba. Uh, Thank you, uh, Sebastian Holcomb. It has been a pleasure meeting you. <laughs> so, no, and you promised. You made a promise to me, and you kept it. You said because you got my name right all the all the other times. That was perfect. Wonderful. Um, well, if you would give. Um, if you had something you could say to people who might be considering improv, uh, maybe are doing improv already, but you know, kind of question themselves maybe, what would you say to them? Find your tribe. Find your, your, your group of people, the people that make your heart sing. Um, a lot of times I notice people are unhappy with improv because they're not happy in their environment, not that they're not happy with improv. And, uh, questions like everything that you're handed from a school doesn't mean that that's everything uh learn what you want to about improv um just because someone tells you this is it doesn't mean that that that's all you got to do improv is the beautiful I just got to do a workshop with a good friend of mine from Bird City Tab she's the executive director over there and we did a workshop um talking about improv and how it touches all the art forms. Like it makes, because yeah. literally improv is this art form where you throw a pebble and it just, you know, the rings keep going and going. Um, so that's what I think about with this is that um, if you're not in, if it's not clicking for you, it might not be that you found your space yet because you're gonna find people that it clicks with and it makes sense. And when it does, it's beautiful. And it's magic. Don't quit. Don't. That's heartbreaking to see someone quit before like they've found. And it's going to take time. You're not always, you know, sometimes you're lucky, but a lot of times it takes time to find who your people are. So yeah, keep looking. 
Well, you're just beautiful, my friend. And I really enjoyed our time together. And I know I'll be seeing you somewhere soon. I don't know where or when, but I will. <laughs> thank you. Thank so you. thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I really enjoy spending time with you. And I love, I love working with both the teams I've worked with you on. So um, I really enjoyed that uh, chance to get to know you all and how y'all and how thoughtful the community is and how they play. That's very unique and very special. So thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye, my friend. <laughs>